Awesome. All right. Um, wow, look at this. This is awesome. We had an amazing, amazing time at the men's retreat, as you probably already been hearing from so many other men around here. And for those that didn't get to go, just know that there will be there'll be another one, you know, next year. So there's your hope. <laughs> okay. We had a, a powerful time. You know, uh, I, I'd say the goal is uh, reached when we encounter God, we feel more connected, right, that we belong to his family, and we come back transformed, you know, and that's, that's the vision of this church, to build a place that people encounter God, belong to a family, and are transformed by the word of God. <clears throat> and so whenever that happens at any service or any event or any worship night or retreat or camp, hey, that's success right there, right? Nothing else matters because that's the bottom line is transformation, you know, not behavior modification. And so I'd like to ask uh, three brave men that went to the retreat to quickly come up here and just tell their testimony. So, <clears throat> you know, these are brave men, <laughs> very brave men, just so you know. Come on, we got one, we got two. There you go. Okay, but we need it in English so that everybody can understand it. Though. <laughs> That's coming. Okay, one, two, three, perfect. You got it. This man. Holy Spirit. This man. All right. This man. Kim, both of you come up here. James, and you, uh, Jason. Over there. James, Jason, and you stand right here. Saturday night, or Friday night, I mean, we were going, we were having the Holy Spirit, visit of the Holy Spirit in there. And, and when everything was going on, these men never noticed it. But the Holy Spirit w talked to me and said, walk to the back of the room. I'm going to show you something. Each one of these men represent a Hebrew letter right now. In the name of Jesus, that are, that, that are in the name of Jesus. Kim is the letter Yod, Y-O-D. You are the letter Shim. And you are the letter Rob. And you are the letter uh, Yari, Yari, is it? Yeah, Yari. This is what God showed me. God showed me creation. God showed me a tree of life. God showed me uprightness. And God showed me visionary. God showed me when these men were up there, I mean, just praising God, everyone that was there, all 32 men that were there, they were up there. Turn around and face me, guys, for a second. Raise your hands up to the Lord, just like we did over there. What letter do you see of the Hebrew letters that I just spoke about? The letter, the letter Sheen. Lifting up, lifting up your hands to the Lord, you become that letter, which is a tree of life. Every man there that night, God showed me, he said, look at them, look at them. 
how they are bringing heaven down. You are the letter above. Uprightness. Vertical. Reaching to heaven and bringing heaven down to earth. This is what God showed me of every man, not just these four that are up here. That's what God showed me of every man that was up there that night. Just praising God. Just praising God. I didn't share with you that night or, that, or Saturday because there wasn't enough time for it. But I'm telling you guys now, you are powerful men of God. God showed me the power that he has invested in each one of you, each one of you. And last, I want to thank our teachers, Pastor Ben, uh, James, and the Tree of Life right there. Yeah. Yeah. In the name of Jesus. One more thing that I've got to say. All you men that have been to the men's group, once a month on Saturdays, and I've heard these three men speak, you have heard nothing. You don't know them like we know them. These men are men of God, and these men will speak what God tells them to speak to us men. Thank you, Father. No, that amazing, deep, well man of God yeah. is the one interceding for all of you every day of the week. Thank you, Carlos. Hey, good morning. <laughs> uh, I've been in a lot of different men's groups over the years, but I've never uh, been a part of a group that was so vulnerable. And uh, right from the very first uh, activity, uh, we went as deep yeah, as you can go, and um, how the Lord gave such a, an amazing redemption and uh, impartation. Um, so the question was, uh, what do you not want anyone else to know? And so I said, because I was intimidated going up, I'm like, man, there's so many like really strong, strong guys in this church, like ex-military, ex-police, you know, just like tough manly men and so I felt like man I don't feel like I measure up and uh, I got so much ministry and so much uh, blessing and impartation from these guys I had so many guys um, you know there was a time of prophecy and stuff and it, like over and over like you're a warrior you're a warrior guys are texting me you're a warrior like over and over and over and I'm like and I just felt so filled up And the presence of the Lord was so strong, like super, super strong. I just felt so filled up, and I just feel like so bold and secure and stable. And uh, I'm extremely grateful for this group. So thank you very much for putting this on. I started coming to church a year ago. Easter was my first service, so I've hit just over a year. So when this came up um, for this men's group, I was initially fired up. And then I tried to come up with every excuse under the sun to get out of it. 
So I was telling my wife, and you know, I'm, I consider myself what Kim was talking about. I'm ex-military, former police officer. So I consider myself one of those tough guys. <laughs> Suck that gut in. Um, but I was actually kind of, I was actually intimidated. I was actually scared of what, of just putting myself out there because that's usually not me. I'm pretty to myself when it comes to my personal life. But I tried every excuse under the sun. I told my wife, I said, oh, my knee, my back, you know. And uh, she's sitting there looking at me, and she's a great woman. And she said, well, I'll see you on Saturday. And so, so then I realized I couldn't get out of it. So, uh, but when I got up there, um, it was just amazing. I mean, these guys, um, I've just never felt something through my body that was just tingling every second of every day that we were up there. The teachings were amazing. Bonding with these guys were amazing. Um, I have to forgive Ben because he shot me with a tennis ball. So he hit the, he hit the crippled guy with the tennis ball. Hey, 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 what happens in retreat stays in retreat, man. I just got to let him know that, you know, we all think you're great, and, but nobody's perfect and you're forgiven. But no, the, the lessons up there were just phenomenal. Just get to talk to these guys because when we're in our old world, we think that that's, we're the only one experiencing all these things that we're going through. And I tell you what, every guy that was up there, all 32, we talked to each other, hugged, cried, laughed. We all had something in common. It was amazing. I've never been in a group where all men had something in common. And it was just powerful. So I want to thank Ben, James, even though his brother's a Cub Scout, and I'm a Cardinal fan, um, and uh, Nick for the teachings they gave up there. It was, it was just amazing, just everybody, because it wasn't just those three teaching. It was all 32 guys teaching each of us how to be. So I want to thank you. I love this church. Um, I just I feel welcome here. I, I don't feel like singled out, you know, because there's times that I struggle with depression, and I, I think even though I'm in a crowded room of people, I still feel alone. I didn't feel that up there, and I don't feel that here. Your chance. <laughs> Just tell them what you got out of this. Simple. Um, have you ever struggled with not wanting to share because you want you want you don't want to be misunderstood? And that that's one of the things that I struggle with because I, I didn't want to be misunderstood. And we were texting last night. This is after the conference is over or the men's. And I didn't. How did you? not share. I got to share other people's and I love that. I love to share other people's stories, but I didn't share my story. <laughs> and one of the things is because I didn't want to, I didn't want to feel misunderstood. Um, cause I've been misunderstood. Have you ever been misunderstood and hurt? Mm -hmm. and, and I said, no, that's not what I meant. Right. And my heart hurts. And, and God healed me from that. It reminded me, um, I think it was this morning or last night, it said, when Caitlin went to uh, her, she went to a retreat, I think it was a teen retreat, and she came back changed. 
and uh, I just feel changed. And so I'm just encouraged by that. (laughs) Oh, he's coming. Oh, he's just coming. He's coming, and there's nothing to stop him. (laughs) I didn't want to come up here. Brazo. Yeah, so... I, I, I think the biggest thing that I walked away with was I had a, a, a lot of men come up to me and um, I didn't really understand it, but they said, hey, listen, this is great that you're here. I, I got to know you a little bit because I was intimidated to talk to you. I just don't see it. still don't. I looked in the mirror. I went home. I didn't see it. I mean, I think I'm pretty approachable. Yeah, I know. But I realize who I am, you know, and it's great that we have opportunities to get to know each other and be real and vulnerable because then we realize who that person is. You know, and the biggest thing I walked away with was that Vulnerability and, and the surrender to the Holy Spirit brings healing and change. And um, there was something that I shared up there as well that I didn't want to share. And um, in fact, as I was walking up, I had in my mind <coughs> exactly what I was going to say. <coughs> and I got up there and I said something totally different. <coughs> yeah, it was the Holy Spirit because it actually helped somebody else there. And it wasn't about me. Uh, and um, I'm okay to make mistakes today. I accept that I'm human. And I think every one of us, what I saw was that we all make mistakes and we're human. If we didn't recognize and accept that we were human, we wouldn't need Jesus Christ. And I heard our pastor share some things in his vulnerability. And that made me realize that I was right exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I'm honored to be shepherded by such an honorable man who follows Jesus Christ and doesn't take the light away from Jesus. He's not Jesus. He's no better and he's no less than any of us. He's a human. God's given him a position of authority, and it's honorable. I appreciate you, and I appreciate the opportunity, and I've never been judged here. I've never been judged by anybody, and I've been through a lot, and I've done a lot. I've made some bad decisions, some bad choices that caused me harm, and it caused a lot of people, other people harm, and it destroyed a lot of things, but you know what? There's healing in the name of Jesus. That's right. 
for the longest time, I was, what was it, Nick? Skeptically supportive. <laughs> I mean, hey, go do what you're going to do, but it's not for me. Um, that's about how this retreat was for me in the beginning. Thanks to these guys. <laughs> Drop the skeptical. So for that, each and every one of you guys, I appreciate you. Love you all. So thank you. Thank you. We could seriously go on, and this would be amazing, and, and this would be it. So I, I encourage you to talk to these men. Everybody went to the retreat. Just stand up real quick. Just stand up real quick. So look around. All these guys went to the retreat. So just go up and <clears throat> just go up and ask them, hey, how was it? Tell me your story. Maybe you didn't hear some of these guys' stories, but all of them are incredible. They're amazing powerful stuff, you know, and so if you didn't go, there'll be another chance. We're going to be doing this every year because the bottom line, our goal is transformation. You know, that's what, that's what God wants for us, you know, to be transformed from the inside, not to just modify our behavior. And so, you know, if, if these retreats facilitate that transformation, then that's what we're going to keep doing, you know, and, um, <clears throat> And you might get shot with a tennis ball. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, we've been going to this retreat for many years. And we always watch the staff shoot at us. And the youth will be witnesses that I've ran that race many times and gotten shot. You know, and so the Lord blessed me. And he said, blessed are the patient ones. They will have their turn. <laughs> and so it was an awesome experience. But of course, as God has given me wisdom, I followed that with a session on forgiveness that night. <laughs> and so we all came back just more united. Amen. Nobody got hurt. We just made memories. <laughs> all right. So let's open up in Galatians chapter 6. We're going to finish our series on Galatians, and um, man, we missed you guys last week, we know, uh, we watched the service, awesome job, Nick, as always, so, so good, so good, you know, and I want to thank James for organizing this men's retreat, man, thank you, it was awesome, it's so excellent, you know, thank you, Carlos, thank you, Nick, you know, just for, for that, and where's Jose, Jose, thank you, man, thank you for doing worship, thank you for bringing all the stuff up, and you know, it just, it was a very simple retreat, but the thing that makes it powerful is that there is the Holy Spirit that shows up and transforms lives. There were no fireworks or light shows or lasers or smoke or anything like that, you know. Uh, it was just us in a room with a piano and a guitar, and that's it, an open heart. And so uh, God can move in simple ways, you know. All right, so... Galatians chapter 6, if you haven't been here for any of the other Galatians, you need to listen to, uh, to those on YouTube or Facebook or Spotify or, you know, we have a bunch of ways where you can listen to this stuff. And 
it's one, about one of the only books that I do chapter by chapter, and I haven't done this in a few years, but today we're going to finish this in chapter 6 because I feel the, the book of Galatians is just such a deep, rich book that really speaks to us so clearly with applicable things like actionable items. You know, it's not like an allegory that you're going to have to figure out and realize maybe you don't know how does this apply to your life, but the book of Galatians just has so many things that uh, that is like clear right there on the page, you know. And if you weren't here for the chair number one, number two, and number three, you need to listen to that teaching because I'm going to make some reference to that here. And so, uh, Father, I thank you so much for this time. I ask you to open up your word to us, Lord, that we would receive revelation from you and that you would be the one that points out to us exactly what is what into our lives, how to use this. In Jesus' name, amen. It says, dear brothers and sisters, if any other believer is overcome by some sin, what does sin mean? You know, it means to miss the mark. You know, like you messed up, you made a mess. <laughs> you know, you you sin like that. That's sin. You know, and and so it says, if anybody is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back on the right path. Say with me, gently. And humbly. See, there's uh, a lot of times we we want to help someone come back on the right path, but we're rough or we're harsh or we come with an attitude of like, let me teach you because I am better than you. <laughs> you know, and then right here, clearly tells us like, hey, we are supposed to help each other. We are supposed to assist each other. You know, if one falls, because you know we're together in this. Right? If one uh, falls away, if you stop seeing somebody come for a few weeks, you go, man, you know, that's not, it's not like them, you know, and, and you reach out. But, but it tells us clearly how to do it gently and humbly, right? And like, those are such important things. Like, you know, a lot of times we don't, we don't feel like strong enough or like we, we have what it takes to call somebody and, and, you know, say, hey, you know, like, you're missing the mark there, you know, or like, let me help you in this area. We don't, because we don't feel like we're there, you know, but it says if you're godly, not if you're perfect, it said if you who are godly and you're godly because you're God's child. So you're godly. So the person next to you, you're godly. How did that feel? Some of you felt like, oh no, if you only knew I am not godly. But you are because when you received Jesus Christ in your heart and you were created, you were made a new creation, what happened? You were made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus by your faith, not by your works or your past or your current behavior. You were made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So you are godly, not by your own account, but by his account. So you're godly. And so you're qualified to go and help someone as long as you do it gently and humbly, right? You know, gently means you come in love. You're not rough, you know, you're not, you're not rude. You're not judgy. But you come humbly, you know, not saying, well, let me tell you everything that's wrong with you. Or, you know, but you come like humbly, it's like, hey, you know, I've been there. I've been there. Here's, here's how I get back, you know. Let's get back together. You know, let me help you up. 
<clears throat> Are you with me? It says, and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself, you know. And so if somebody is struggling with pornography, you know, and you know this, you're going to help them, right, in a non-judgmental, loving, gentle, humble way. But if it is something you're struggling with, then hold yourself, you know, wait, and be careful that you don't fall into the same thing, right? And so sometimes you maybe need somebody else. And thank God that there's more than two of us here, right? Hey, you know what? This guy's dealing with drinking again and some depression. But I just kind of came out of that myself not too long ago, and I feel like I could end up drinking with him. And so how about we both go, or how about you and other one go, you know, and help him? Because it's saying, like, be careful you don't fall into this temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. You know, what does it mean to share each other's burdens? It means to get into people's pain with them. Share each other's burdens, you know, with them. You know, we did a lot of that this weekend, you know, because when, when you hear and you feel, you know, what someone's going through, you know, it, it's like you get in there with them. Jesus wept. And the reason Jesus wept is because he got into their pain with them. Mary and Martha were weeping over Lazarus who had died. And Jesus was going to raise him up anyways. He knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But he first got into their pain with them. And he wept. Share each other's burdens. You know, when you share somebody's burden, then you can really pray good. You know? Uh, power follows compassion. Jesus had compassion over the people, and then power flowed, and miracles flowed. So power follows compassion. Power follows love. And so the most powerful prayer you can have for someone is when you listen to their need, and not just pray, but you listen to their need and you share their burden and you feel their pain. You don't carry it with you and take it home, but you get in there in that moment so that you can intercede for them and stand with them. And so that out of compassion, power can flow. And that's a powerful prayer. Are you with me? It says, if you think you're too important to help someone, <laughs> uh -uh. <laughs> if you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. <laughs> you're not that important. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you are important, but you're not that important <laughs> that you can't help someone else. <laughs> you're very important. You're royalty. But you're not that important that you can't pick up a paper on your way into some place because it's just trash. Wait, but who am I helping there? The person in charge of cleaning that place. And that's how we show honor to people we don't even know. 
If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself, you know? If you think you're too important to teach children at church, you're only fooling yourself. If you think you're too important to only, you know, disciple one person, you're fooling yourself. If you think you're too important to just be a mom, you're fooling yourself. That's like the most important job in the world. You're raising the next generation. Right? It says you're not that important. So you're important, but you're not that important. So it's like bringing, like there's a duality and there's a balance, you know, in understanding because false humility says I am nobody. I'm not that important, you know. I'm just this piece of dirt walking around the earth. It's like, no, that's false humility. And you have a very wrong misconception of your identity in Christ. You're very important, right? But see, the, the Bible tells us that Jesus took on this attitude and it tells us to take on this same attitude that Jesus Christ had, that being God, he humbled himself to be a form of man, right? Not considering himself as God. So we are God's children. We're royalty. We're supposed to act like royalty, you know, but serve other people like Jesus did. And so, um, you know, whenever the thought comes like, I'm too important for that, then that's when you know you're not that important. Okay? <laughs> I hope you're not confused. Am I important or am I not important? Yes, I am. No, I'm not. <laughs> This is a room full of very smart people, so I trust that you know. <laughs> Verse 4 says, pay careful attention to your own work. Oh, this is so good. <laughs> Mind your own business. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so pay attention to your own work, for then you will get satisfaction of a job well done. Man. <sighs> like, Stop comparing yourself. It says, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. You know, we live in a world where everyone's always comparing themselves to everyone. And so we're running a rat race that never ends, right? Because we're always trying to be, act, look, have everything else somebody else has. And that's the biggest distraction to running our race of what we're called to do. Because then you can't be you and you can't do what God called you to do because you're always comparing yourself to what somebody else is doing, somebody else achieved, where somebody else went, what somebody else purchased, how somebody else looks. And so who do we compare ourselves to? We compare ourselves to Jesus, right? And then you're discovering who he called you to be, and that's the only one you need to be competing against is your old self. Like, you know, am I better than yesterday? You know, Amen. am I improving Am I getting better? Am I maturing? You know, do I only visit chair number two once a week instead of visiting chair number one on Sundays only? If you don't remember, chair number one is being led by the spirit. Chair number two is when I'm led by the flesh and the emotions, right? Chair number three, I hope you're not going there because chair number three is not even saved. <laughs> 
And so when we focus on what God, you know, when I was, uh, man, I was probably like 16, 17 years old. I had some friends, uh, Christian friends that, you know, uh, they had a, a worship uh, team, a worship band. They got really famous in Mexico and they started traveling all over the, all over the Mexico and Central and South America. And they got really big. They're awesome people. But I would always compare myself to that. I was like, always, why am I not there? Why am I not traveling with them? You know, what am I doing wrong? So I always had a dissatisfaction with my life and what I, with what I was doing. And so the Lord showed me, he said, until you have excellence and satisfaction in the season that I put you in and with the stuff that I put in front of you to do, you won't be able to graduate onto the next season that I have for you. I was like, man, you know, Adam had to be, I know this is kind of a short statement for kind of a, a long explanation, but Adam in the, in the garden, he had to be he, satisfied. He was doing what God called him to do. And it was in that, that God's like, okay, you know, you're doing good with naming the animals and naming the plants and, and doing the job that I've given you to do in this garden. So now I'm going to upgrade you. And that's what he, when he made Eve. And then he was like, wow, thank you. This is awesome. Promotion, reward, you know, next season, right? And so until we are doing, you know, like it says here, until we're having a satisfaction of a job well done with the job that we have in front of us right now, you know, that's when we will graduate on to the next thing that God has for us. But it says we won't need to compare ourselves with anyone else. And that, you know, the freedom that there is in not having to compare yourself to anybody else? Like, if our kids could understand this at a young age, that they don't ever have to compare themselves to anybody else. Like, there'd be so much freedom. So much freedom. How much time, energy, and resources and, and thoughts we spend on what we don't have and what we're not. If I wasn't set free from that, you know, I'd be looking at Justin and, and flexing all the time. Be like, man, like, <laughs> I, I can't read my Bible today. I need to get back in the gym because look at him. Gosh, like, look at me. But the only one I'm supposed to compare myself to is me. Hey, am I getting better? Am I getting healthier? You know, a couple of weeks ago, I said, you know, I, I had gone down off the deep end with eating sugar again, right? Well, guess what I keep saying? Manana. <laughs> Graduation parties, vacation, sweets everywhere. Like, man, so... I need to just look at me and be like, okay, you know, like enough is enough, you know. But if I compare myself to other people, you know, if I compare myself to JT, I'd be like, man, like <laughs> hopelessness and depression would kick in in two seconds. And guess what? That's the reality for many people. They live depressed and hopeless because they're only seeing what they don't have, and they're comparing themselves to everybody else, but you were never designed or equipped or empowered to be anybody else except you. That's it. 
verse 5 says, For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Man. 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, we were, given, we were not given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Not wife control, not kids control, not other people control, but self-control only. That's it. God did not empower you to control anybody else except you. So the minute you're trying to control someone else, you're out of God's will because he will never empower you to control somebody else. You're only responsible for your own conduct. You're only responsible to make sure you're staying chair number one. And if you find yourself visiting chair number two, you quickly get back to chair number one. Is this helping you? It says, those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Verse 7, don't be misled. You cannot mock God, mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. I love how it says, you cannot mock the justice of God. So it's telling us the harvest is God's justice. Harvest is God's justice. And a lot of times we want justice in our own way, justice in our own hands, in our own terms, right? But you don't get justice that way. You get justice by what you plant. And whoever wronged you will get justice by what they planted. That's the justice of God. It says you, you can't flip it any other way. You can't twist it any way you want. It, it, it's like, you will always harvest what you plant. Luke 8.36 says, um, you must, um, where is it? Luke 8.38, sorry. 8.38 says, give and you will receive. Press down, shaken together, running over, it will be given unto you. For in the measure that you, um, in, the measure, in the amount that you give is the amount you'll get back. The measure that you use is the measure it will be used back with you. You know, and interesting in this scripture is not just, uh, it's, it's actually not even talking about money. It's a principle, you know, of sowing and reaping. And the principle of sowing and reaping applies to everything, not just finances. You know, yes, if you, if you plant finances, you will reap finances. But, but this is actually in the context of, of judgment. Like if you plant judgment, you're going to reap judgment. What you plant, you're going to get more of. You have a harvest coming that you don't even know. The question is, is it good? <laughs> and only you know what you've been planting. <clears throat> what have you been planting? If you don't like what you've been harvesting, then you need to change what you've been planting. He's like, wow. <laughs> Right? Um, you can't mock God, you know, and, and I love how it says that because it's almost like, hey, even if you pretend <laughs> that you haven't been sowing that stuff, like, you can act like, oh, oh whatever, you know, that doesn't count. Nobody saw me. <laughs> it's like, you can't mock God. Whatever you plant is what you're going to harvest. And I, and I can see the wheels turning. Some of you need to go home and start praying for a, a crop fail. 
God have mercy. Um, um, uh, we, we talked about uh, two weeks ago on Mother's Day that <clears throat> women are naturally incubators, you know. So especially them, what you sow in them, you get back, and it's not fair. Because you get a whole lot more. Like, you say one rude comment, and man, whew, it's not going to take him nine months. But that's why men go like, where did that come from? What did I do? You know? Yeah, because it's not fair because you just sow a little thing and then boom, you know, get it harvest. So if you don't like how, you know, what you're getting out of your marriage, then start planting something different. <laughs> but everything is like that. You know, our thoughts are seeds into our heart. Our heart is a fertile soil. And what we think and meditate on becomes a seed that gets planted in our heart. And our heart, you know, that's why the Bible tells us to guard our heart above all things. Because out of the heart flow all the issues of life. You know, because you've been planting things in there. And your heart is giving you harvest and attracting or repelling things or reproducing things or multiplying things in your life. And so what you're thinking of, it's, it's seeds. So if you're a person that that struggles with fear is very likely that you think of and meditate a lot on worst case scenarios and fearful things and thinking that worse is going to happen and afraid that this might happen, afraid this might happen. And you're constantly meditating and planting those seeds in your heart. Well, that's what you're reaping. That's what you're harvesting. And that becomes what you're living in your experience. And so um, thoughts, you know, and then the same thing with our bodies. You know, what do we plant in our bodies? Physically, that's how you're going to harvest. If you've been planting a lot of sugar, <laughs> empty carbs, and delicious croissants, you're going to reap that. And you <laughs> Believe me, I've been praying. I'm like, Lord, help me. Can't wait to get back home and get back into routine and <laughs> go to the gym again, you know. It says, you will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. Why? Because they're sowing into the flesh. They're sowing into the sinful nature. You know, they're planting bad seeds. And said so that's what they're going to harvest is decay and death from that sinful nature, right? Because they, they're, they're, they're living their lives on chair number two following the flesh and the emotions and, 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 and planting those kinds of things. So that's what they're going to harvest. It says, but those who live to please the spirit, chair number one, will ha harvest everlasting life from the spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Say with me, I will not get tired of doing what is good. I mean, it's, it's a reality. Sometimes we get tired of doing what is good, right? Because we're like, where's my harvest? Where's my harvest? Where's my harvest? Where's my harvest? I've been doing so good. And so that's why it's important that we, with God, in our relationship with him, we learn to recognize the seasons that we're in. Because harvests happen in seasons, right? 
It's not a slot machine that you put something in today and you get it out tomorrow. It doesn't happen that way. It's seasonal. God's a God of seasons. You know, I've heard people say like, well, I tithe and I gave an offering last week and I haven't seen anything, so it must not be true. Do not get tired of doing what is right, of doing what is good. You know, how many people give up because they say, well, you know, I've been good for so many years, so forget this. I'm done. You know, I've been loving for so long, so forget this. I'm done. I've been attending church. I've been doing this. I've been doing that, so forget it. I'm done. And they got tired of doing what was good. And they aborted the mission before they received the harvest. He says, don't, I mean, this is the word of God. You know, it's not me encouraging you. This is God saying, don't get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. At just the right time. You know who knows the right time? Who has the right time? It's God. And those are the Kairos moments. God's time. If we don't get tired of doing what is right. If you don't give up. See, that's the hope that we live in. That for as long as we're walking and living in chair number one, and we're planting the right seeds, we don't ever have to worry if we're going to receive the harvest. We always will, and it'll be at the right time. Amen? And that's what keeps our hope alive. That's what keeps us going. It says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. To everyone, but especially to those in the family of faith. To everyone, everywhere, because we're supposed to be the light and the salt of the world, right? So when we go out, like if you have an opportunity to do good to someone, to pray for someone, to give a word of encouragement to someone, to operate in the opposite spirit of whatever's going on negatively in that environment, it says do it. Whenever you have the opportunity, that's why, you know, one of the, uh, when it's time to give our tithes and offering, it's time of opportunity. It's our opportunity to sow the right seeds, to sow into the kingdom of God. It's our opportunity. See, it's a very different way to look at it rather than, oh, here comes the time to open the wallet. Right? No. It's your opportunity. It's my opportunity. Okay, you getting something out of this? All right, we're almost there. We're almost there. This is verse 11. Notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. Remember, the cross of Christ alone can is what saves us, nothing else. Remember, Jesus plus nothing. Because the moment it's Jesus plus something equals my salvation or my righteousness or that I deserve love, I've frustrated the grace of God. I no longer need the cross and the finished work, and I'm working in performance and under the law. And so it says, those who are trying to force you, I said they don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone 
can save. In other words, they were worried about what people were going to say. They had the fear of man saying, is that really enough? Yes. It says, and even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. It says, as for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's a lot of things that are my responsibility that I have, I have, to, write, I have to sow the right seeds. I have to plant the right stuff, right? I have to, you know, sit, you know, live from chair number one and, and, and walk in the spirit. I, like, that's my responsibility. I have to choose to love. But of all of those things that, I, that are my responsibility that I need to do, I can't ever boast about it. Look, you know, I only stay in chair number one. Look, I sowed the right things. Look, I, because the moment I start boasting about that, you know, I am now pointing to my righteousness instead of his righteousness. Because the only reason I have access to even live a life on those principles is because of the cross of Christ. You see, the only reason why we have access to these promises, to this empowerment, to the Holy Spirit living in us and working through us and speaking to us, to the favor of God, the only reason why we have that is because of the cross of Christ. So really, there's nothing that we boast about. We're just working the system, God's system. You can't brag about it. You're just smart enough that you chose to be translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light because you realized that it was not great to live in the kingdom of darkness where it's full of fear and hopelessness, but now you've, you've been born again and you live in the kingdom of light. You're just working the system. What are you going to brag about? That's why he's saying right here, said, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I could never boast about being too smart, you know, and that's why I have such a great life. I'm smart, but not that smart. <laughs> and this keeps us in humility, always pointing to him, never pointing to me, right? And what he was saying is like these Pharisees and religious people, they want to point to them. They want to say, do these things, follow what I'm telling you to do, you know, because then I get to claim you as one of mine. Because they wanted to point people to them. And Paul is here telling us, like, the only one we point to, and the only one I could ever point to and boast about, is the cross of Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. Okay. It doesn't matter whether we've been circumcised or not. It doesn't matter whether we have performed well or not, okay? But it says what counts, it's whether we've been transformed into a new creation. Remember, this is written with large letters as he's closing these statements, and he's telling us here is the bottom line. It doesn't matter what you've done and what you've accomplished because that's called self-righteousness. And Isaiah tells us that self-righteousness, our own righteousness, is like filthy rags. Like it's worth nothing. That's what the only thing that matters is what he did. And that's the only thing we can boast on is what he did. And because of what he did, I get to live and operate under those 
supernatural principles that are from heaven and live an amazing life here on earth. And so it's saying what counts, you know, is not all that you have done or accomplished. What counts is whether you've been transformed into a new creation. It says, may God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. What is this principle? This principle is that all that matters is whether you've been transformed into a new creation. Because transformation from the heart only happens by the grace of God. Behavior modification happens by the effort of men. Follow me on this. Behavior modification is the effort of man, but heart transformation, a life transformed, is the grace of God. One is operating under the law and doesn't need Jesus. The other one's operating under grace, under the power of grace, right, where he empowers us to do everything we've been called to do in our race and in our lives. Remember, you haven't been empowered to run somebody else's race or look like someone else, only you. And so this principle, I'm like, God, what is this principle? Transformation. You've been transformed into a new creation. That's what matters. And that you're being transformed from the inside, not behaving from the outside. And then God's peace and mercy is upon all who live by grace. This principle of grace. See, because you can't have peace and mercy if you're operating under your own righteousness, if you're operating under the law, if you're performing. There's no peace in that. There's only stress. When it's all on you, when it's all on you, there's no peace. There's only stress. You're not good enough. 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 That's how it is under the law. It's never good enough. And the only way we can live in peace and mercy is under that principle. I'm good enough because he made me good enough. And it says, from now on, don't let anyone trouble me with this crap. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Enough is enough. (laughs) He's like, Get it right, (laughs) for I bear on my body the scars that show that I belong to Jesus. And if you keep bugging me with this, I will shoot you with tennis balls. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you in your spirit. Man, God is so good. (laughs) I was joking about that part, please. (laughs) Oh, Just close your eyes. Let me pray. Mm. Jesus, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for what you did for us. You're so amazing, God. You're so amazing. We love you, Lord. We worship you. I pray that your word would go deep in our hearts, that all truth would settle in our hearts, that any confusion would go away, and that you would show us exactly where in our lives we need to adjust, where in our lives we need to change how we believe, where in our lives... We need to think differently. What things in our life we need to plant differently, God. I think you give us power to do this in the name of Jesus.
with your eyes closed, I want to ask you if there's somebody here who's never accepted Jesus in their heart. Let me tell you, today is your day. Today is the day of salvation. And if you never said, Jesus, I want you to come in my heart. I want to be your child. I want to live this abundant life. I don't want to be performing and trying on my own, on my own when I could just live in your kingdom by your principles, a life of abundance, not a life of strife and stress. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask everybody to repeat this prayer with me. And, and I'm going to ask you to do what the Bible says. That you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. It says you're saved. And God makes you his child. And at that moment, when you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose on the third day from the dead, at that moment, you become a new creation. And something happens inside of you. You become a new creation. You start a new beginning. That's what's called born again in the spirit. And so if you want that for your life today, just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I receive you today in my heart as my Lord and my Savior. Meaning you're saving me and I'm choosing to follow you. Cleanse me from all my sins. Thank you for what you did on the cross for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time in your life, be brave and raise your hand. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up front. Prayer team, come up front. If you need prayer for anything today, and if you raised your hand today, you know, come up here and tell one of these guys, I received Jesus in my heart today. And they're just going to pray a blessing over you. If you need anything else, they'll pray for you. If you have pain in your body or sickness or a bad report from the doctor, come up here. They're going to pray for you. And uh, James, remind him a couple of things. Amen. Come on, get Jesus praise if you learned anything today. Amen.